I'm Erin. I'm Sarah. I'm Megan. And this is the Tribbles and Transporters podcast. but it was very huge orchestra. So I don't know. I'm stuck. <laughs> no, as, as the uh, self-proclaimed Voyager fan on this, in this group, I would say, I don't think it came from Voyager. I could be completely wrong. Of course. Aaron, I'm very disappointed in you right now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> was wow. I right? <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> well, like I said, I, could be wrong, and obviously I am. No, Megan's correct on that wow. one. Wow. I don't okay. know if we're in Voyager, but it, yeah. Maybe the very last episode when they triumphantly return home? I'm not quite sure. It's from the episode Endgame, or it's from the yeah. soundtrack for Endgame. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was actually played in the episode or not, but it's the very beginning of the soundtrack. Yep. Oh, um, that would make sense in the episode. Okay. <laughs> I don't really know what Endgame is about. It just on the artwork, it had um, like a Borg ship shooting Voyager. So I assume it's something to do with the Borg. Yeah, it, uh, Aaron, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but Endgame is the last episode. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. The Voyager. It was a, a two part series finale. Yeah. Um, was it? That was the last mm-hmm. episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Where, was the Borg in it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, because I, I remember watching the finale of Voyager, I think. And I don't, I apparently I don't remember anything from it. Well, I mean. Maybe that one's one we can review sometime. <laughs> you're not doing much That's better than me, so. <laughs> you know, I, I am really well versed in the first couple of seasons of Voyager. Um, and then my ability to watch it got a little spotty um through my college because i didn't have tv at school um so i had to catch up on it during the summer and and things like that and uh each time that i've gone back to rewatch the series you know i get so many seasons in and then something distracts me or whatever so um yeah i i have failed (laughs) Oh, this needs to be an episode that we can review then. That'd be yeah. good since we started with the first the season premiere and do this series finale. So. <laughs> well, it's gonna it's supposed to be random, so who knows? Maybe it'll be the next one that gets picked. It could Voyager. be. Although, should I be aware of the previous Borg 
um, encounters on Voyager before seeing that? Would, would it make any sense or it doesn't matter? Uh, I think you'd be okay with not having to like totally catch up on it. I mean, you do know there's, you know, they do travel through Borg space and they have running with the Borg. Um, I don't know that you would need to know too much more beyond that. Yeah. For the okay. episode to make sense. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with Voyager in the future. But today we're talking about Enterprise. And I'm excited to get back to Enterprise because it's been, how long has it it's been? Like three or four months, I feel like, <laughs> since we watched yeah. the Broken Bow. It's been a while. I went back and actually watched that episode before watching the episode that we're reviewing today because it had been so long. I hadn't seen either one of these um, episodes since they premiered on television. So it was nice to go back and watch uh, Broken Bow and the the very first um, two part of Enterprise and then watch the next episode. So it was fun. It made me want to watch the next one, but I had other things to do. So, (laughs) Well, that's a good sign then. All right, but before we get into the discussion of the episode, you know what time it is. It's quiz time. It's time to see how closely we were all paying attention while watching this episode. (laughs) <laughs> and the episode is called Fight or Flight, um, just in case you're wondering. Episode two slash three, I don't know how you count it exactly, of uh, Enterprise. Yeah, depending on your uh, your reckoning. Okay, so as usual, we each have five questions that we're going to ask each other. and We're going to take turns asking the questions, and whoever is not asking the question will team up and try to get the correct answer. So... Who would like to do the honors and ask the first questions? I can go first. Since I did so abysmal at this last time, I'll go first. (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, what we should do is uh, whoever loses the worst gets to do it first the next time. There we go. It's like golf almost, except the opposite. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like I do a little bit better in this than I do in golf. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So my first question is, uh, in this episode, what was considered the ship's first contact? What was the dying slug, wasn't it? Yeah, the sluggo? Yes, <laughs> it was. Yay. All right. Uh, what was irritating Captain Archer in his ready room at the beginning of the show? It's like some sound in the deck or something. Yeah, it was a squeaking noise. That is also correct. All right, two for two. Here we right. go. I'm so impressed with you guys. <laughs> uh, why did Why did Hoshi want to swap quarters? <laughs> I almost wrote this down as, as as a yeah. I almost wrote that down as a question, but <laughs> yeah. Well, y'all are three for three. This is impressive. Okay, different one. <laughs> You're going to have to ask harder questions, Megan. Oh, I'm about uh... to, hopefully. Okay. (laughs) What was the date given towards the end of the episode? May 6, 2151. I don't like you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I had that written down as well. (laughs) It stood out to me because it wasn't given as a star date. Yes, that's very true. That's why I wrote it down too. Yeah. That was a very astute observation. I didn't notice that. 
Uh, last question is, what was the atmosphere on the alien ship? Uh, that one I did write down. Sarah? Yeah, I think it's the uh, nitrogen methane, right? That is that what is I correct. have as well. Oh you guys are five for five. <laughs> wow. I've never gotten all five correct before. I'm no, so I don't impressed. think I have either. Watch me right. zero on this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, you won't. You know, you're you won't get a zero. I, I feel like we all took very careful notes on this. I think so. Maybe. <laughs> Do you want to go next, Sarah? Sure. <laughs> All right. So, question number one. When Hoshi requested to switch quarters, where were her quarters located? Oh, that part I didn't write down. Uh, it was on the starboard sh- side of the ship. Um, yeah. Something makes me want to say there was a section E or something in there, but, um, you know, I didn't write it down, so. <laughs> I didn't either. Okay, I'll give you guys half a point because you sort of, you got part of it. It was the (laughs) E-deck, section five on the storeboard side. So, okay, you guys get half a point for that. Okay. All right. Uh, Question number two. Outside of what city did Trip look through a telescope? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. (laughs) This one I do not know. I I thought you guys would have this stuff written down. See, it's so funny. I did not write that down. And I don't even remember that being in the episode. So, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Finally something that I remember that you guys don't. Hey, I remember the line. I just don't remember the city. I want to say Seattle, but I'm not positive. Any guesses, Megan? I got nothing. Nothing. I have no idea. It's a hint. It's not Seattle. Yeah. I figured that. <laughs> uh, it's actually Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, right. Yep. Now I remember. <laughs> oh. All right. Megan actually took one of them that I was going to ask, so we have to pick another one here. Um, <laughs> when uh, Archer is complaining to uh, Porthos and his quarters, what is the name of the admiral that he mentions? Yeah, I did not get that one at all. Wow, I'm I am so shocked right now. <laughs> okay, um, it was Admiral Forrest. Yep, wouldn't have gotten it. I was stuck. I had Cartwright in my head, and I knew that wasn't right. So <laughs> Cartwright. Uh, I just think of Bonanza every time I hear that name. Okay, how many? So in Archer's office. How many books are on his desk? <laughs> Not a chance I wrote that down. Yeah, me either. I'll guess three. <laughs> uh, no, it's five. Okay. Man, you know, <laughs> we're today. Over, uh, well, one and a half for, or half for four. Yeah. Half point. Yeah, half point yep. for four. All right. <laughs> now, here, this is where I have to pick something else out because... When they are getting ready to suit up to go to the alien ship, what is the time that Archer gives them to be ready? Was it 1,500 hours? No. Yeah. No, I, I knew that I was... Know. The the pause yeah. was... <laughs> no, you're close, though. It was 1,400 hours. Uh. Okay, so um, you guys get half a point each. 
on that. I'm, <laughs> Yay! Um, I'm really surprised. I expected you guys to get <laughs> way more than that. <laughs> this is the perfect example of how we watch Star Trek differently. That's so okay. yes. I paid attention to the wrong details, man. <laughs> and the questions I'm about to ask are very different details again. So, um, okay. So, um, Megan asked what the atmosphere was on the alien ship. What was the temperature? Minus 20 degrees. Yeah. Minus 20. I have that too. I wrote that one down. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> right. One point. Hey, I have one and a half points now. Okay. So, um, after they left the, um, the alien ship, um, T'Pol suggests a phenomenon for them to go and investigate. What was it? Oh, I should have wrote this down. Yeah, I remember thinking I needed to write that down and trying to make sure that I didn't first. Some yeah, kind of nebula, write. but I didn't, yeah, I didn't write it down either. Yeah, I don't know. It, okay, it was a stellar nursery. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? I was still, a little small voice in my head told me to write that down, and I just didn't do it. So, oh, no, same, yeah. same, same. Yeah. <laughs> Lesson is always listen to that little voice inside your head. Yeah. Okay, so um, when they finally figure out what is going on with the aliens having uh, fluid pumped out of them, um, Dr. Flox mentions that something in the human body is similar to that compound. What was it? It's the uh, lymphatic system. Oh, yeah, the lymphatic fluid or something like that. Yes, that's correct. Lymph fluid. All right. Okay. That means I have two more questions. Now, Sarah mentioned um, Captain Archer uh, talking to Porthos. Uh, Porthos was very, very excited about something. What was that? Cheddar cheese. <laughs> yeah. Yo, if it has a dog, I'm paying, I'm like, to the screen. <laughs> oh, I totally I, had a Porthos question. I was like, I'm not asking this question. Sarah will for sure get it. <laughs> yeah. I figured I had to ask it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, one last one. Um, they find out that the aliens they, that came to help them were the Axonar. How long do they live? 400 years. Yeah, I have that too. 400. That is correct. All right. The grand total is, Aaron, you have five and a half points. Megan, you have... Um, what am I <laughs> don't remember if I just gave you a point for that. <laughs> Um, either have three and a half or four and a half. I don't know. It's one of the two. I wrote and... down three and a half. <laughs> okay. That's what I, what I had to, just making sure. Um, and I have nine, so. Wow. I actually won a quiz. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and it has yes, nothing to do awesome. with TNG. <laughs> you did incredibly well. Yes, you did. My goodness. <laughs> maybe maybe that kind of shows that I enjoy this series uh, yeah quite a bit so all right well moving on then to our next segment of what did we think about this episode well what do you think what do you think what do you think all right Aaron what did you think about fight or flight I thought it was a really cool episode um it was a 
interesting concept that I've not seen, you know, played many times in Star Trek, if at all, this whole uh, idea of a species that goes around and, and basically preys on other sentient species for resources like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, being drawn to Hoshi's character and there were a lot of fun moments for her in here. So I, I really enjoyed the episode. Great. Megan? I also enjoyed the episode. Um, I, you know, for it to be the, what I consider the second episode of the, the series, for it to be a very um, good episode for Hoshi to show her um, character development um, and uh, to get more into, into her history. Um, but it was also like I agree with Aaron with the, the alien species that um, kills other <laughs> aliens to get um, what this um, enzyme out of their system to for money or for whatever purposes you don't really know. Um, that it was a very dark episode as far as that was um, concerned. So I thought it was an interesting take for that to be the second episode out of the series um, but I also thought it showed a good balance of for this to be, you know, humanity's first deep space um, exploration to show them, hey, there's not always good guys out here either. Um, yeah. Just show the boredom of there's not always excitement <laughs> around every corner. You know, the crew getting restless because nothing has happened. But you also have this very interesting um, dark Thing that they have to handle so i enjoy the episode great um yeah i really enjoyed it as well um, i'm really surprised actually at how much i like enterprise just because my attitude towards it when it first came on was just so eh, it's not very good it doesn't look like star trek i don't want to watch it and um which was the attitude of a lot of people i think at the time um but you know here we are 20 years, I don't know, it's not quite 20 years later, 15 years later or whatever it is. And looking back on it, um, it's actually so far a really good show, I think. And um, I enjoyed Broken Bow. I enjoyed this one as well. Um, it picks right up with the characterizations from Broken Bow and um, builds on them. And um, yeah, I just really like the whole history aspect of it as we're seeing the beginnings of things um, when Starfleet is just getting started. And so that's really fascinating for me personally. Um, I did kind of pick up on the like dark theme sort of. I was like, really all the, the only reaction I had to was like, oh, there's a bunch of dead people hanging upside down. Um, and this, that's kind of creepy. Um, but like, again, this is what we we're talking about in the last episode where we just were just getting very different things out of this. I was like noticing totally different things that 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 whole that glossed I like glossed over all of that stuff that you guys were talking about. Um, <laughs> I was aware of it, but it wasn't like, oh, this is cool that they're, um, you know, running into this species that preys on other people like that didn't even enter my mind at all watching this. So it's interesting to hear you guys like hone in on that story aspect of it um, that I didn't even register. So uh, mm. yeah, it's interesting. Um, so 
I guess we'll get into the uh, episode discussion, actually. I don't really have too many, like, scene-by-scene observations. It's more just, like, general stuff about the episode that I liked. I think I more liked, um, you you know, you see Hoshi that this, um, the first contact was made with an alien slug um, that she brought up to their ship um, and this creature is dying because she's removed it from its home environment. Um, so to have that as one of her struggles and then um, that you also flip and see more of the crew that you have um, Malcolm Reed uh, that's trying to get his ship and his weapons working because we've left Earth without all of that being totally 100% because this was supposed to be a short-term thing. So his that, I just thought it was fun to see these characters uh, sort of be real in um, what their everyday job is and everyday life is on this ship. I, I enjoyed the, the beginning of it for sure. No, I agree. Like the whole, like this is what uh, Starfleet was probably like for real starting out is that they were probably really bored in space. They flew around for a long time for weeks without encountering anything, which is probably more realistic than what we see on the other shows where they're constantly just running into stuff left and right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we talked about how big the universe is and um, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting to think about about that as like how long can you fly around out there in space without encountering something um here's the thing with the slug though this is the only uh real thing that stuck out to me that kind of bugged me and i felt was kind of an unstar trekky thing but i could just be misinterpreting this um i i feel like starfleet now of course this is the beginning of things so maybe they don't have these standards in place yet but I feel like any other Starfleet crew, like the Enterprise D or whatever, would not have removed that slug from its home planet. They would have observed it there, maybe, but not have actually removed it and taken it with them. That just seemed kind of like a, a mean thing to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had the same thought, too. Yeah. And I'll, I'll jump ahead to the end of the episode. At the end of the episode, Horn, they're leaving that slug on another planet. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of yeah. like it's home. Like, this, this slug is going to die. <laughs> like, how do you yeah. know it's going to be okay? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I, at the very minimum, there's no one there, nothing there can procreate with to, to continue its, the, yeah. <laughs> its species no. on this alien planet you just plopped it on. Yeah. I could tell you, <laughs> yeah, as, live, as but... a zookeeper who, you know, is trying to teach people all about ecosystems and environments and how delicate the balance is and all this kind of stuff to see them just drop it off on a random planet. I'm like, you don't know that that thing can survive there just because the atmosphere is similar. What if there's nothing there for (laughs) it to eat? What if it, you know, what if it ends up being one of these things that doesn't need another of its species to, um, to reproduce and it just explodes and devastates this planet like you don't know anything about this thing (laughs) and you're just gonna drop it off on some random piece of rock (laughs) 
So uh, yeah, that bothered me. Or what me if something well. else eats it? Yeah, I had yeah. that thought too. Oh dear. I just felt sorry for the slug. I was like, why? <laughs> it, actually, at the end of the episode, I was like, wait a second, why do they even have the slug? Like in the first place, and I had to go back and watch the beginning. I was like, did I miss yeah. something? Uh, no, they just like removed it from its home planet and decided to take yeah. it with them. Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like a very strange thing for a Starfleet crew to do. That was really my only real hang up Dr. in this episode. For Dr. Flox to want, have mercy on it and feed it to its bat. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh my gosh. Okay. I wonder where he got the yeah. bat from now. Well, he brought all these animals on board. Um, yeah, to help supplement the sick bay or medicine. Yeah, because he was using it. he was using compounds from one of the other creatures in the first episode. So it's kind of okay. like his living medicine cabinet. <laughs> okay, I vaguely remember that now. It's been a while since we watched that. So. Yeah, I do remember Starfleet officers in other episodes. Um, collecting mineral samples and botanical samples but yeah it is a little different for them to be um picking up uh life forms like that i was uh impressed that the pads that they had were actual screens like they were glowing screens and i was thinking back to the year 2002 is that when this aired um trying to think what kind of device had that at that time and nothing was really coming to mind i mean i guess you had yeah. like like the palm pilot type devices but i didn't i wasn't aware that there were tablets like that in that form yet in 2002 maybe i'm wrong uh, maybe outside of palm pilots or blackberries um so the ipod was in existence then but not not the way we know it today. I mean, sure not the iPhone. Um, well, these were like about the size of maybe an iPad mini or something like that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the prop department just made it. But I, I just remember thinking it was kind of impressive that they actually had actual screens. Um, because hmm. in every other show prior to that, it was just like a fake, you know, paper <laughs> screen that they yeah. had to make look real. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I was kind of impressed by that. Um, and I was just kind of curious if it was like an actual device that they bought somewhere um, or and they like maybe dressed it up a little bit or if the props department made it or something like that. So, yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. I, I did like the way that they're what I'm assuming they didn't call it a tricorder, but I'm assuming it was uh, one. I like the design of that as well. Um, just as they're walking around the alien ship, just um, scanning different things. And I, I thought it was very cool looking. You know what? I didn't even look at, I didn't even see that. <laughs> I wasn't paying, I was paying attention to, I think, some character stuff. And I wasn't paying attention to what they were waving around. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go back and look at that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, one of the things that I think back in the day when this first aired people were complaining if i remember correctly a lot about how this new enterprise was just so different looking from everything else we had seen on star trek and the uniforms were different just everything was just so uh had such a different look 
from TNG, DS9, and Voyager. And it does, uh, but I think it's appropriate because yeah. it has some elements of present day uh, design, I think, especially with like naval ships. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah, and you can see like even Sick Bay has it kind of, I mean, it looks more futuristic than what we have now. But it it they designed it in a way to where you can kind of see the evolution from the sort of medical rooms and equipment that we have now to what they have a little over a hundred years from now, and it, the entire ship was just designed like that. And I think the Starfleet uniforms too are kind of an evolution from maybe like the uh, military jumpsuits that you know pilots might wear. And you can start seeing how it's turning into a Starfleet uniform and so forth. So I think everything was really well designed and well balanced to kind of have hints of what we have what today, was, but yeah, not quite. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I thought it was a very nice take on sort of bridging that gap. Um, one thing I picked up on as... Um, being sort of a nod to the original series was on the bridge we see uh to paul using this scanner that you know there's like an optic piece that pulls out and she leans forward into it and there was definitely um something on like that on um the enterprise from the original series that you know spock would use to check you know readings and things like that so i i thought it was you know, like Sarah said, very appropriate way to stand in between today and what we see as the future. Yeah, I picked up on that optical thing as well. It's like, yeah, that they had that on the um, original show as well. So I also like just Megan kind of hinted on it earlier, but just kind of seeing the beginnings of how a ship operates and how archer makes his decisions to do things and so forth it's obvious that in this like when they were debating whether or not to scan the alien ship and stuff like that that we would take for granted on tng or voyager because they were constantly just scanning ships without even thinking about it you know that was like established procedure by that time but here we're seeing where there is no established procedure. They're just winging it. They have no rules to speak of that Starfleet has given them um, to operate by. And so they're trying to figure all of this out as they go. And so there were lots of moments in this episode like that where in the later shows, they they would just do it, but and we take it for granted that they would just do it. But here we're seeing that the beginnings of it and the evolution of it and how crews must have struggled with some of this stuff in the very very beginning of starfleet and how they made decisions on what to do and what not to do and so forth so i really appreciated that the writers took the time to kind of show that in these episodes yeah i think that's what i actually love about this um so far is that um because we have been watching star trek for a long time we're familiar with all of that and the to watch this with, well, that's standard for today for what we currently know, but to watch that evolution of um, them trying to figure it out, it's just been 
so enjoyable for me um, because it does, you look, well, I mean, somebody had to start that process and make that a rule. And um, it wasn't just something that was passed from the Vulcans to them. I mean, they did have to figure this out as they went along um, and to make mistakes and learn from mistakes. So I, it's one of the things that I've learned, I loved um, about watching Enterprise now versus watching it when it came out when I was, you know, in college. Um, so, I, yeah, I've, I've, in watching these, these first two episodes, I've come to such a new appreciation for the show versus what I had for it back when it was originally airing. Yeah, I also like the way that they are writing um, the the science behind things uh, very differently. You know, the fact that um, their scanners aren't as powerful as we're used to uh, Starship's um, sensors being. You know, they had to wear environmental suits to go over to this alien ship because they had no idea what the atmosphere was even like over there or if there was an atmosphere in there. Right. Um, you know, I guess they could assume that there was some sort of atmosphere because there was something venting out of the, you know, the hull breaches. But other than that, you know, they had to get over there to then do a scan that was sensitive enough to tell them that it was nitrogen and methane. So um, I think those details are very cool. And, uh, you know, the fact that um, we get little bits and pieces like when the uh, Axonar show up, um, he says, you know, um, well, how do you explain the fact that you were you were over on our ship, you know, two days ago? So obviously they're um, more advanced in that sort of thing. They can tell even, you know, how old the, um, you know, whether the molecules in the air or something like that from, you know, the human DNA particles or something being over there. Um so uh, I just thought it was a really neat detail uh, to put in there that, uh, you know, er all of this is experimental on Starfleet's part. It was fun for me, too, watching um, in this episode Hoshi attempt to figure out a language um, to get the uh, translator to work. Um, I, I just thought that was an interesting process that she... Um, and her trying to figure out their distress signal and figuring out how to speak with them. Um, it was a fun process because, again, we just take the universal translator for granted that it's going to work on everybody. Um, and here we see, you know, again, that they're having to um, figure out how to interact with alien species that they've never come across before. Which probably should have been how Voyager did it when they got stranded into the Delta Quadrant. Um but yeah, no, I agree. That's that's what I was paying attention to in that scene, and why I didn't re um, see the tricorder that Aaron was talking about, because uh, I was just really fascinated with what Hoshi was doing, and also the banter between her and Trip as well, um, mm -hmm. and kind of what they were talking about. I was caught up in that stuff, and I wasn't paying attention. Um, I didn't even think about the environmental suit thing. Um, I don't know why I didn't think, oh, they're beaming over an environmental suit, um, which we don't usually see on Star Trek. Uh, so that's an interesting point. I also like the torpedo 
thing too. Um, where we're used to the torpedoes just being shot out and working, and here they were not effective at all. Um, so just yes, little things like that uh, with the science and everything was interesting, and. I liked kind of how they designed the ship after like a naval ship. I mean, it really looks very similar to a naval ship with how they do certain things. Like you have to go down the um, steps to get into engineering and stuff like that. Um, now, see if you guys can answer this question for me, though. The shuttle pod that they were in, why the heck was the latch on the top of it? I think this is the way they rotated to dock with the ship um oh no the hatch is on the top of it i don't know it's just i guess the way that it was designed well yeah but i'm asking why is it designed that way wouldn't it be easier <laughs> just to have the the door on the side of the thing so they can just step out they had like this elaborate staircase that had to like drop down so they could get out of the shuttle yeah we it did seem like one. an awkward yeah. design i did think it was funny that when they initially docked the shuttle pod with the alien ship that they can't get in, and Malcolm Reed's first response is like, I can set detonators when you just <laughs> yeah. blow the door open. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like the warp of Enterprise. Oh, totally. <laughs> just, let's just shoot at him. Yeah. yeah. Let's just really make a grand entrance into this ship that we've never seen or encountered before. Yeah, exactly. And it certainly wouldn't be considered a hostile action. No, not at all. <laughs> but it's also amazing that Archer was able to figure out that those little things opened the door too. Yeah, I mean he went right true. for them; like he knew exactly what they were. Well, I suppose if there's there's only one thing that kind of stands out in a in a space, that might be what you try first, I guess. But there wasn't one; there was like four of them. That's yeah. why I, I would have never, because I was like, well, if there's a if it opens the hatch and you just have to do one of them, then why are there four of them? sitting there in a row right i did could have been i did wonder that of, of them at some yeah. point that i feel like just for ease of or for continuing the story along without having them sit there for 20 minutes to try to figure out the <laughs> right combination of yeah. up and down yeah. or which lever well i mean he does try one of them first and it doesn't work uh so then he tries the next one and it just does the whole job so oh he does <laughs> i thought he just did one time no, he pulled on the, one first and it didn't do anything. It would have been terrible if one of them had it would have been terrible if one of them had undocked the ship. <laughs> they were just floating out there in space. At least they'd have yeah. their environmental suits on. <laughs> That's true. Well, just in case you happen to hear any strange noises, um, I do have uh, Ty here with me. He is uh, rubbing against my microphone. So. Hello, Ty. And in case anybody's listening for the first time, uh, this is James Tiberius Cat, our mascot. Yeah, we'll need to post another picture of him on <laughs> social media. Yeah. He's a very handsome cat with his uh, bow tie and uh, star tweet. <laughs> He's collar. a beautiful cat. He just he wants is. to be involved every show. Yeah, we'll just uh, we'll have to get him doing uh, episode reviews or something. So uh, one observation I made on this was um, Archer. Uh, again, every single series has a different captain, a different personality for its captain. And Archer is, 
they did a really good job of differentiating him from everybody else as well. And I really liked how he is, he kind of puts himself and on the same level as a lot of his crew. You know, he doesn't have that, I'm your superior officer attitude. And so he's very, you know, chummy with the rest of his crew. And he's like going down to engineering to check things out and see how things are going and stuff like that. Um, so I really kind of like that about his personality. And of course we see him with Porthos as well, which makes him, you know, seem even more of that like kind of warmer personality. So I'm really enjoying kind of his interaction with the crew and his leadership style as well. Yeah, I agree. It's nice to have a much more hands-on captain represented. Not that the other ones weren't, but yeah, I I enjoy having him there. Well, and it helps carry off the um, less formal feel of the um, the whole mission as a whole, uh, because as we said at the beginning, you know, there's feeling this out for the very first time there's all sorts of situations that they can't even imagine to plan for um so i think it really helps to have someone who's not super rigid and who really can just uh roll with the punches and uh you know he's gonna have to lean on all of his crew members because as experienced as he might be, they're more specialized in their um, different uh, jobs. So um, for him to have a good relationship with them is going to be very important. Um, so yeah, it is a, a nice take on the role of captain. And of course, in true TOS fashion, the captain leads the away teams at this point still which is something that doesn't happen. I don't know. Does Janeway lead away teams a lot on Voyager? Yeah, she does to to a certain degree. Well, it must be just TNG then that kind of has that whole captain doesn't go on away teams attitude. Yeah, and I sometimes think that that was something that they they came up with because it, it does make a lot of sense. Um, and then with the... Uh, rest of the series they're like yeah but we really like to use the captain for stuff so yeah. we're just gonna have them ignore that rule <laughs> yeah yeah have, have him insist on, on going <laughs> but you know here's the other thing that i think is a little different as well is that i feel like Riker, in a lot of ways was a second captain on the enterprise d and so there wasn't a huge difference most of the time between him and Picard beaming down for the vast majority of away missions. Maybe Picard had to beam down for a specific reason, you know, if he had to deal with somebody specifically. But for the most part, I feel like Riker, out of all of the first officers, um, was probably the best prepared to deal with whatever might come up on an away team. So... I think that's different too about TNG, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I have heard about that rule though in other places. Like it's a fairly widespread thing in Star in Starfleet, where the first officer is the one that leads the away teams. But I guess Voyager's slightly different because they're kind of out there on their own. So yeah, they kind of I would imagine that they throw out a lot of rules like that but i could be wrong yeah 
Well, and you also have the dynamic of um, Chakotay was a, a captain of his own ship uh, with the Maquis. So um, he he's in a lot of ways a second captain, but not in the the way that Riker was where it was, you know, he's very take charge and, and everything when the situation warranted it. Um, Chakotay was a little bit more um, deferential to, to Janeway in a lot of things. Um, but then, you know, when the uh, need arose, he would step up. Yeah. I've heard other podcasts. Um, this is way off topic from Enterprise, <laughs> but I have heard, uh, we'll get back to it in a sec, but I have heard other podcasts where they'll like rank the first officers about who yeah. was like the best first officer or whatever. And it seems like every single time Riker ends up as number one, um yeah no pun intended um <laughs> because uh because everybody felt that he he was uh just as capable as picard was as being a, you know a captain um he could have easily taken charge of the enterprise uh for picard yeah. if, if necessary and he did actually in like best of both worlds and so forth um, right so i think he and just because of that he's and i'm not saying this because i'm a Riker fan i just think uh he was um different from all the other first officers in that respect but anyway um i i have a feel you know to paul on this this is that's the other interesting thing is she's like the first officer basically on enterprise the volley back and forth between her and archer when they're trying to make these decisions on how to do things and the clash between the human perspective and the vulcan perspective is really fascinating to see for me on this yeah, with them, you know, you have the dynamic of the Vulcans who've been on space for a long time, and they have more knowledge on all this stuff, and then you have, you know, Captain Archer and the representing humanity that wanting to just chomping at the bit to get out there and explore, sort of, like, forget the consequences, let's just do this, let's just see something, let's do something. Um, so yeah, it's been a fun dynamic to watch um the two that the two those polar opposite sides start to work out and compromise a little bit so along the same lines of different personalities i thought it was very interesting to um see the way that they had each of the characters reacting differently to the whole idea of first contact and exploration and um you know we had uh Trip was super excited about it and you know Malcolm was interested but you know cautious and then of course Hoshi just wanted to go home um so I thought that was very cool to have that spectrum in there yeah I'm enjoying all of the characters I don't think there's a there's not a single character that I don't like on this show they're all likable in their own way to me um uh, Hoshi is most relatable to me, though, because of the hypochondria aspect yeah. that she has. <laughs> I can relate to that so well. Um, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying her character in this. And I like how Fox, like, ribs everybody, you know, just kind of sarcastically. <laughs> he'll say stuff that'll, you know, get their ears to kind of stand up a little bit. Um, I love Tripp's, you know, like, almost Riker-esque attitude. That's why he's my favorite on this i think i i might change though watching you know as we watch more of this stuff but i thought it was always trip it was my favorite um who is the uh what's his name the 
the ensign that at the con all the time. Mayweather. Isn't it Travis Mayweather? Travis, yeah. Yeah. Mayweather, yeah. Uh we don't know much about him quite yet, but he's he seems like a really kind of happy go lucky personality. So it'll be interesting. He's like the Harry Kim, seems like, sort of <laughs> of this. Yeah. So Mayweather, you know, he has the longest experience probably out of probably the crew of being in space that he grew up um, in space. His parents um, operated, I think, a cargo vessel. Um, so, I mean, he grew up planet hopping and having that kind of life um, on a ship. So um, it'll be interesting to see what else, other than being a helmsman, what else he brings to the table um, in his experience um, to this um, ship as the crew goes along. Yeah, that just made me think. Starfleet Academy probably doesn't exist right now in this show, right? It's never probably been mentioned. Not. I mean, they pulled in Archer from somewhere. I don't remember what his experience was in space when they brought him in to captain the Enterprise, but it didn't seem like he went to any sort of training. I mean, Starfleet had just gotten... I forgot what our timeline was, but Starfleet is just, like, starting out right now, basically. Yeah, I I would think that some of the, the crew went through some sort of military training, because um, I think we uh, discovered that Starfleet kind of evolved out of this uh, Earth defense uh, force, so um, there would have been you know, a fair number of people from that. That's probably where Archer comes from and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then they probably just pulled in other people uh, at, for their specialties. You know, obviously, um, you know, Hoshi's had some sort of training, but then, you know, also was uh, teaching and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, Phlox doesn't even come from that sort of same background at all. And, uh, they're just bringing in uh, specialists as needed. I'm really intrigued, though, about the uh, establishment of Starfleet Academy because it's pretty clear that it doesn't, I mean, I guess it seems like it doesn't exist yet in this um, at this time. So it would be interesting to see uh, how that comes about. You know, how does Starfleet decide that they need an, an academy and what the training should be and who instigates that and everything? Because it's really a kind of a ragtag organization at this time. Well, I did, while y'all were talking, I did Google Starfleet Academy just to see if the, they had a history of when it was formed or founded. And it was founded in 2161, so 10 years um, later from the episode that we watched. Um, it was yeah. founded in the same year as the Federation was founded. Yeah. So they really did just recruit people who were the best of the best of what they did. Um, sort of like how we recruit astronauts. Um, well, yeah, in that in that uh, episode that we did about how Starfleet works, we did, uh, I, there was sort of a military aspect to it, but it, it, we also learned that a bunch of space agencies basically from different countries came together as well and kind of formed Starfleet. So it's kind of like that mixture of the space exploration and I guess the military a little bit, um, which explains the ranks and 
and all of that stuff in Starfleet. It's kind of interesting. Like, I wouldn't, you know, how would you guys feel about a Starfleet Academy show? You think that's a dumb idea? Because that's been a rumored. No, I don't think it's a dumb idea. Um, I've read Starfleet Academy books and things like that. Um, I th- I think it would be kind of interesting. Yeah, I agree. I, I would I would love to watch it because I mean it's just something that we're accustomed to having already been established, um, and that everyone wants to try to get in. It seems like to to have a career um, that way. So yeah, I'd I'd love to to explore. You know. Starfleet Academy and what all that entails. It'd be like a different world in space. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that show, Aaron? No. Yeah, I didn't know if they showed it in Canada or not. It's um Do you know the Cosby show? Yes. Yeah, it's a spin-off of the Cosby show with uh Denise Huxtable going to Hillman College and it's uh basically they did like 6 seasons of it or something. It was pretty successful. Mm-hmm. But um, it was basically supposed to be following kind of Denise's um, time at Hillman. But then she left the show after like two seasons and it became about the other characters. But it was a good show. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it has it nothing may... to do with what we're talking about. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, it, it may have aired here and I just didn't see it. I do have to say in watching the episode, there was one point. So when Hoshi's struggling with whether she wants to, to stay on the Enterprise or not. Um, that I did think it was funny that she was going to tell Captain Archer to take her back to Earth. I was like, in my head, I'm like, but would he? You're so far out from Earth. Would he just turn around because one person on the ship doesn't want to be there anymore? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that thought crossed my mind too, but I don't know. Yeah, I had a feeling that he would just try to do what he did, which was talk her into staying. Yeah. Now, I really liked her in this episode. She, I really like her character a lot. Um, not just because of the hypochondriac stuff. I just... She plays comedy really well. That actress does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the line where she just kind of threw out while she was all flustered on the bridge trying to talk to this um, guy and figure out how to talk to him. She just kind of threw out, this isn't exactly Spanish, you know, and just (laughs) like, I laughed at that line. And um, I thought her storyline though, of just her having to face a fear and, and learn about having courage. And in this episode was, um, I think really poignant because I've been in that situation a few times in my life where it was, in a very intimidating situation and it's very easy to just kind of fold up and say, you know what, I'm not gonna, I don't want to do this and take the easy way out. And, um, the fact that, you know, she was forced, you know, we see this a lot in Star Trek where the characters have to have courage to deal with a situation, but we don't usually see them grapple with it like this, Mm. unless you're like Reg Barkley. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Oh, Reg. Yeah. Hmm. But it seems like the other characters, for the most part, and I don't know about Voyager because I haven't seen enough of it, but it seems like you can tell that they're nervous maybe about a situation, but you don't really see them go through those emotions in detail like she did here. And so I really like that, that they did that with her character. 
um, and kind of made that real, you know, in a way that I think some of the other shows don't. Again, because they're just taking it all for granted that this is what happens out in space. Um, so yeah, for humans to have to like figure this out, like, oh, we're in space, we're encountering all of this scary stuff, you know, and just like you were saying at the beginning, Megan, it's just, I'm glad that they kind of addressed that. Yeah, I did like at the end of this when, you know, she steps up and um, attempts on her own to communicate with the Axanar um, that, you know, she's stumbling through it. And then as she's sort of figuring out, she gains confidence, more confidence. I love that the Captain Archer stepped aside to have her do that. But like, if you watch him in the background, that by the end of it, he almost wants to take her by the shoulders and go, what are they saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are yeah. you talking about? Talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually enjoyed in this episode um, the stuff that we didn't find out. Uh, you know, they didn't have subtitles on that conversation that Hoshi had. So we have no idea what she was telling him. Um, we also didn't find out anything about the alien species that was attacking everybody else. Um, you know, their ship got blown up. We don't even find out what the name of that species is. So I just think it's really neat sometimes what isn't said um, or what isn't shown is just as interesting. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I thought of that too and watching it. I thought that was amazing. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to um, watching more of this show for sure. Yeah, and something that also hit me as well is um, there was a line that Archer had where he was talking about the code of behavior of uh, Starfleet when they were talking about well, do they just leave these guys, you know, these dead um, guys, I guess the Axanar, um, do they just leave them and not investigate? Um, or do they do what he perceived as the right thing and try to find some sort of justice and help them in some way? And that just seemed... Uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about Picard a lot right now, but that just really stood out to me as like such a contrast to what Picard is doing and the whole like uh, how Starfleet, even at the very beginning, had that sort of attitude and behavior and code of conduct towards things. And then we get to Picard and it's like the complete opposite of that now in Starfleet. Mm -hmm. Um so I think I appreciate that about this show is that they, they're staying true to what Star Trek was always supposed to be about. And we are seeing the beginnings of that here. And I guess Archer was instrumental in kind of implementing some of that. He had to be. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like it uh, is developing before our eyes and it's kind of neat to see that um, with the, sort of hindsight lens because we know where it ends up um, with, uh, you know, Starfleet being extremely humanitarian and offering help wherever they can uh, and not being afraid to stand up for the little guy and, and all of that. So uh, yeah, it's very cool. Well, I'm also looking forward to uh, seeing more of Enterprise. I think I found a new favorite Star Trek show. Um, that I, again, I'm kind of shocked at how horribly I 
perceived it for the first time around and how good I think it actually is now. Um, I don't know if you guys haven't seen Enterprise in 15 years, maybe go back and give it another look and see if it's any different to you now than it was then, because I think the perception of it, I don't know, Aaron, like I think you said before, maybe it's just time, you know, gives us a better perspective on things. Yeah. And I was also thinking today about um, how some of it just seems to have been a little bit of burnout, um, at least on my part. And I've heard other people say it where, you know, you had TNG and that overlapped with DS9, which overlapped with Voyager. And then you had the another Star Trek and it was just like, okay, I, I have a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. And I really liked those Star Trek shows, but I, I just, I'm, I'm moving on to something else right now. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying getting into it. Yeah, that's, that's totally where I was. And, um, when enterprise came out that I was burned out, but I was also in college, I was working, um, and my life was consumed by life. Like I just, I didn't have time, uh, for a whole lot of television anymore. Um, at that point, cause I've, had it really early morning classes. And then when I would get finished with my classes for the day, I would go to work and sometimes then go back to school for night classes. And so, yeah, I just, and then did other things. And yeah, I just was like, I don't have time for this. Maybe one, one day I'll get back to it. So and now that's, you know, an incredibly long time later to, <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be getting back to it. But I think also it was just the prequel aspect of it too. It's just yeah, kind of like, you know, I don't really care about what happened 100 years before TOS because I didn't really watch TOS, you know. So, yeah. um, but, you know, like I said, if you like history, you'll enjoy this show because it's like you're watching history unfold before your eyes, basically. Yeah, it's very cool. All right. Well, um, our next episode is going to be about Star Trek memorabilia. Um, and this is actually an episode that Aaron and I recorded quite a while back, but for just whatever schedule reasons, we did not release it um, earlier. So that is what we're going to be doing next week. And Megan, uh, this was before Megan joined the podcast. So it'll be just Aaron and I talking about our memories with Star Trek memorabilia, maybe some stuff that we had and just stuff that existed that maybe we didn't have. And just kind of like the whole 90s um, phenomenon of Star Trek in general. So uh, I remember it being a fun discussion that we had. So look forward to that next week. And um, what is our, was our question um, about enterprise that we we're going to ask? So what we're going to do, um, hopefully have people write in and, and tell us about is um, as they were watching enterprise, they were obviously um, encountering different species and um making first contact with some and uh what was your favorite species uh that they encountered during the season or the um series so um if you can let us know uh what your answer is to that over on social media we have twitter which is at triples prod at Tribbles Podcast. Um, then on Facebook, we have the Tribbles and Transporters page. And then also on Instagram, we are Tribbles and Transporters Podcast. And of course, we always have our email that you can uh, 
write to us directly uh, at tribblesandtransporters at gmail.com. And the links to all of that is in the episode description. So feel free to check that out. Thanks guys for listening. Um, Like us and rate us on iTunes if you're so inclined. And we will see you next time. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.